0: The tributes to long past pets are pouring in to our email boxes this morning. Today's the last day where you can write a tribute to your lost pet and see it published for free on cleveland.com and possibly in the Plain Dealer. Check it out on cleveland.com. It's Today in Ohio, the news podcast discussion from cleveland.com and the Plain Dealer. I'm Chris Quinn here with Lisa Garvin, Layla Tassi, and Laura Johnson. It's Friday the 13th, Lisa. Do you have uh, Triska Decaphobia? I think I said that right.
2: Yes, you did. And fun fact, I was born on Friday the 13th. Wow. And and I've been cursed ever since. No.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I think it's the first Friday the 13th of the year. It used to get a lot more buzz, but I guess there's so much really ugly conflict in the country we really don't need to talk about bad luck on friday the 13th we're having a lot of bad luck every day
2: well and i worked in a couple of office buildings that had no 13th floor it went from 12 to 14 so that still kind of exists in some areas so superstitious
1: the last thing I need is Friday the 13th in the final days of my home renovation project <laughs> there's no full moon though
3: right Like we're free of that, that means- there's
0: a blood moon coming though
1: yeah on the um, 16th
3: mm-hmm. well,
1: what's yeah. a blood moon it, 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 what's that mean? Is it's this the May bring moon. something?
2: no it's the it's- May moon
1: Oh, is it good? And, and
2: it's got like a red because of it's angle and the horizon it's got like a red color
0: Yeah, and there's some kind of partial eclipse or something that contributes to it. I saw a story on on NJ.com. But that's not today. Today's just a bad luck day. I hope nobody has it. Let's get started. Ohio's most famous Donald Trump adoring congressman, Jim Jordan, has been subpoenaed, along with other close Trump confederates, to appear before the committee investigating the Trump-inspired insurrection in Washington last year. Reporter Sabrina Eaton cataloged everything we know so far about Jordan's role in that day. Lisa, what's on the list? Well,
2: and it's a pretty long list, and it started well before the November 2020 election. Jim Jordan was subpoenaed by the January 6th Select Committee yesterday, along with House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy of California, Scott Perry of Pennsylvania, Andy Biggs of Arizona, and Mo Brooks of Alabama. Jordan is ordered to appear before the committee on uh, May 27th, and then committee public hearings will begin on the 9th of June. They'll have eight public hearings in all. And. Jordan has com- repeatedly ignored committee requests to appear voluntarily. He says, quote, American people are tired of Dems' nonstop investigations and partisan wish hunts. But uh, I think the noose is tightening here. So uh, Jordan, uh, Sabrina had a, a laundry list of things that he did. He had played a prominent role in uh, President Trump's efforts to overturn the 2020 election results. He questioned mail-in balloting during the COVID situation, and he said, Said that that was done because the democrats wanted to sow confusion and chaos over the election although i would say that would be reversed and he repeated claims of democrats trying to steal the election 2 days after voting ended in 2020 jordan joined a stop the steal protest in harrisburg pennsylvania he harped on the pennsylvania election integrity in news interviews on right wing news stations he also texted White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows about protest strategy and, and Vice President Mike Pence intervening and in overturning the election. That was the day before, that was on January 5th, the day before hey, the hey, insurrection. Let, let me
0: stop you there, because mm-hmm. if you think about what we're talking about, and a U.S. congressman trying to block the duly elected installation of the new president, trying to basically help the sitting president overthrow the government of the United States. It's, it's staggering how bad this is that our Ohio congressman participated in that. And there's
2: there's so much
0: testimony to back
2: it up. I mean, you know, one of the White House aides had testimony about Jordan talking with Mark Meadows. I mean, we know in Jor- by Jordan's own admission, he spoke to Trump several times on January 6th before the insurrection happened. Although he won't tell us what he said. And then at first he says, I don't know, I talk to Trump all the time. I may have talked to him on January 6th, but he did.
0: I mean, this is really the definition of treason, what they tried to do. I've gotten some emails today because we have this story on the front page of the Plain Dealer. And I've heard from some people saying, "With how badly Joe Biden is wrecking the country. And all you have on the front page is stuff about the Republicans. And it's like, okay, Joe Biden... As, as president, did not try to overthrow the government of the United States of America. This is a big deal, and the hearings are coming. I have a feeling these will be paid attention to like the Watergate hearings. They're supposed to be revelatory information about just how close we came to losing our democracy. And Jim Jordan was in the room when it happened,
2: so, you know, we'll just have yeah. to see how bad it was, but I'm sure it was pretty bad.
0: Well, I think Sabrina's cataloging will grow as the testimony comes. Check out her story. It's on Cleveland.com and in today's Plain Dealer. It's today in Ohio. Did a Hail Mary pass save the Lordstown Motors electric truck, although with what appears to be a significantly reduced presence of the people running Lordstown Motors? Layla, we talked about this the other day. It looked like this thing was dead, but it's not.
1: Yeah, so this this is a deal that apparently has been in the works since September. And, and man, they really needed this to, to come together because they were in a, a rough point in their company. Lordstown Motors announced that it has closed on a deal to sell its former GM plant to Taiwanese manufacturer Foxconn. Foxconn will now make Lordstown's Endurance pickup truck and and take on hundreds of the Lordstown Motors employees, the CEO Dan Ninivaji, told cleveland.com Wednesday that Foxconn is one of the world's largest manufacturers and and partnering with them can can ease the supply chain issues, get vehicles to the market quicker and and make the process a whole lot cheaper. If the two companies didn't come to an agreement by May 18th, Lordstown Motors would have had to pay about 200 million dollars back to Foxconn. So They were under pressure to make this happen. According to the terms that Lordstown Motors announced, Foxconn will pay $260 million in total for the Lordstown facility and hire about 400 of the Lordstown workers. And the Endurance, which is the Lordstown Motors' electric pickup truck, will be manufactured by Foxconn at the Lordstown facility. Foxconn will be able to use that facility to make vehicles both for Lordstown and other electric vehicle brands. Lordstown Motors and Foxconn will also enter into a joint venture where Lordstown Motors gets to use Foxconn's vehicle design platform for new vehicles in the future, Lordstown would make vehicles they could sell in North America, and Foxconn could sell those designs in other markets. Foxconn will own 55% of the new venture, and they're committing $100 million to it, which includes a $45 million loan they're giving to Lordstown Motors for their part of the new joint venture. And despite all of these developments, they still expect to roll out the Endurance later this year, and this will be the second electric full-size pickup truck on the market. I'm pretty sure this is also the vehicle that bursts into flames 10 minutes after it hit the road on the first test drive, so I'm hoping they've worked out all the bugs for the sake of everyone who shares the road with these things.
0: (laughs) Well, the thing is, this was fly-by-night, I think, from the start, that it it seemed very shaky. But Foxconn is for real. Foxconn is a real company with a background in the auto industry. It's a complete game-changer, but it's not really Lordstown Motors anymore. It's Foxconn under the name of Lordstown Mm -hmm. Motors. So whatever caused that truck to catch fire, I'm presuming Foxconn, because of their background, because of their expertise... They can put together a pretty good truck. This is a a big burst of life for that Lordstown auto plant that could really start to help that Mahoning County economy. It's a big deal.
1: Yeah, it is. It is. So uh, it looks like they made they made a good decision here, and really the only decision, because I don't think that they I don't think that they had another choice. Um, you know, they were they were really in a bad place uh, before huh. before coming to this. To this it took deal. a long time, but mm-hmm. it,
0: it's finally some good news over there. This is for real. So good. It's today in Ohio. If J.D. Vance defeats Tim Ryan for the Ohio U.S. Senate seat in November, what does his past tell us about the kind of senator he would be? And what does his ascendance tell us about the future of the Ohio Republican Party? Laura.
3: Well, I don't think we know. We have absolutely no idea what kind of senator he'd be if he won, how he would vote. And that's because he's an unknown political commodity who... Kind of shape-shifted to win the primary this year. He's a first-time candidate, but he's completely shifted since his book *Hillbilly* *Hillbilly Elegy* came out, and he was pretty much anti-Trump. Now he's anti-immigration, a populist, right-wing culture warrior, as uh, Andrew Tobias called him. He's got a Trump endorsement that helped him win, and he represents the future of the GOP. He's very different from that genteel style and relatively moderate politics that Ohioans saw for years from George Voinovich, Mike DeWine, Rob Portman. This is a whole new brand, and it seems to be one that voters are embracing.
0: Well, Republican voters embrace it. doesn't right. mean the state embraces it. He's got to win before he changes the face of the Republican Party. And, you know, he comes across as kind of a mean-spirited, venal guy, and I'm not sure Ohio will embrace that. The centrists may not. The, the odds are he'll win because of how the state's been going, but— He's not the kind of guy I think anybody wants to have a beer with. And Tim Ryan. (laughs) Because that's the
3: way you should pick your politicians. But that is
0: the way people pick their politicians. Do I like them? Do they feel like they're decent human beings? And what we saw Vance is like the basest instincts. I mean, he campaigned with Marjorie Taylor Greene for crying (laughs) out loud. That is not who Ohio identifies with. And we'll have to see if. That's who the voters go with. Andrew went deep on this story, talked to a lot of people to try and put together the, the clearest picture of what's ahead. But Vance has been a chameleon. He changes his stripes to whatever the feeling of the day is. The Vance we see today is not the Vance we saw in 2016. And who knows what the Vance will be that we see in November or in January if he wins.
3: Yeah, I, I agree. And I don't think he's going to get more centrist in a competition with Tim Ryan. Although I would like to point out now that we have had two Hamilton references already on this podcast with the room where it happens and the like to get a beer with. But uh, this is not a Hamilton, not a Hamilton politician. OK,
0: you're listening to Today in Ohio. Check out Andrew's story on Cleveland did Ohio's tourism industry rebound in 2021 from the devastating blows it took from the pandemic? But what's the bad news in this discussion for the state's big cities, Lisa? Tourism bounded back in a huge
2: way here in the Buckeye State. Last year, we had 219 million visitors. That's only down 3% from 2019 pre-pandemic. These visitors spent $46.9 billion and uh, There are about 411,000 Ohio jobs involved. Ohio Department of Development Director Lydia Mahalik says she expects 2022 to be even better. Um, Unfortunately, though, cities were kind of lagging behind the state trends. The most popular destinations in Ohio last year were Amish country, the Hocking Hills area of southeast Ohio, and the Erie Islands. So the cities weren't seeing the tourism that these other areas were. Destination Cleveland doesn't have their 2021 figures yet, but they don't expect city visitor numbers to recover to 2019 levels until 2024, And in 2024, we'll have the eclipse totality path coming right through Cleveland. So that'll be a big, big tourist draw.
0: It does make sense that the cities did not enjoy the same kind of return because we still had COVID in a big way. We had Delta at the end of last year. So people weren't getting together in crowded areas. They were going out to places where they could spread out, which is where a lot of the state parks and all the other things Mm -hmm. you mentioned are. I would probably
1: argue that Amish country is probably the least vaccinated tourist destination (laughs) in Ohio. You're
3: right. Holmes County, I think, is probably the top of that list. And
0: Geauga, too. Yeah. Mm hmm. But you're not really crammed in with Amish yeah, people that's true. when you're there. It's kind of a wide open landscape. Have
3: you been to those stores in Amish <laughs> country? They are crowded.
0: Oh, wear a mask. <laughs> anyway, good news for Ohio in 2021. It did come back. You're listening to Today in Ohio. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window.
2: Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder.
0: Why is the City of Independence paying nearly $1 million to a retired police officer in a settlement of a lawsuit he filed? Layla, I gave this one to you because you're familiar with bad management decisions with independence because of the columns you wrote about how they were squashing homeless people. But this time they did it to one of their own.
1: I know. Independence is annoying. (laughs) This retired 23-year veteran of the police force, Lieutenant Leonard Mazzola, sued the city of independence for retaliating against him because the city falsely accused him of giving a local television reporter information about orders requiring officers to issue more traffic tickets. He sued them back in 2019 and he uh, and, and accused the city of, of forcing him to retire after WJW-TV reported on the ticketing issue. The city is is going to pay him $973,940, which is, I guess is a nod to his badge number, 3940. Here's what gave rise to the lawsuit. According to Mazzola, the former mayor and police chief wanted to generate more traffic ticket revenue. So in July of 2018, they ordered Mazzola, who was the supervisor in charge of patrol officers, to require every officer to write 10 tickets per month. The next month, the chief sent Mazzola a letter that said officers were underperforming. So Mazzola pushed back after attending this training in which the speaker called that quota unethical. So W, WJW's report aired in January of 2019 and then city officials later hired an outside company to investigate the leak and the the chief ordered Mozilla to you know, to interview uh, or to give them an interview, and he was subjected to a polygraph test. I mean, they were serious about rooting out the source of this leak, and he failed the polygraph. So Mazzola maintains that he told the truth during the polygraph, but after that, they gave him two options, retire, or be demoted, and the demotion would include a pay cut along with a letter in his personnel file that requires prosecutors to disclose that he had a credibility issue if he ever testified in court. So Mazzola's attorney, Sabod Chandra, says that although Mazzola opposed the ticket quota clearly because he felt it was wrong, he was not the officer who leaked the information, and even if he had been, he would have been protected by the First Amendment, and for that reason he's getting his payday from independence.
0: This has kind of a parallel to the current abortion issue where the opinion was leaked, and we all know just how venal that opinion is. But there are people saying investigate the leak, don't deal with the content of what happened. It's not right for cities to give police quotas. We all know that. They're supposed to enforce the law as it's broken, not with any numbers. And the fact that that they didn't deal with that issue the, the city leaders didn't say whoa we're out of line here we need to do the right thing mm-hmm. and when after the leak the leak is public record it's public record if you if you correspond with a police officer and say we want you to have a quota right. so mm-hmm. you know it's the, the, the people running that city are terrible I mean they just keep making really bad decisions this yeah. is costing the taxpayers dearly and man Subodh Chandra does win verdicts mm-hmm. against municipalities doesn't he
1: well, a city spokesperson pointed out that this case was filed under the prior mayoral administration, and that all the officials named in the suit have since moved on. So I guess that's important to note because you did mention the parallel between the columns that I wrote last summer about the the uh, how the independence mayor, the current mayor, was involved in it forcing out those homeless uh, those homeless men from the the uh, yeah. hotel. So where, they were, not, where they were being sheltered, and and uh, that's the current mayor. But the, yeah. pre, the prior mayor was the one involved in this particular scandal.
0: Right. So things are not getting better. They're still oh, making bad better. decisions. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, they're not. <laughs> but he okay. wants to absolve himself of involvement in this million-dollar uh, bath that they're taking yeah. on this He's case. okay
0: with squashing homeless people, but I didn't retaliate against <laughs> the police right. officer. That's okay. right. Okay, let's split that hair. It's today in Ohio. The Ohio Supreme Court weighed in on one of the more notorious crimes of the past decade, the slaughtering of a Cleveland couple at the car lot they owned in in Cleveland. What was at stake and how did the Supremes rule? Laura, you'll remember this story scared a whole lot of people.
3: Yeah, it's really a disturbing crime. And so the justices upheld the death sentence in this infamous car dealership killing. And they unanimously held that there was overwhelming evidence that Joseph McAlpin had killed Michael Kuznick and Trina Tamola inside Mr. Carr's on East 185th street. They rejected his argument that he deserved a new trial because the attorneys appointed to help represent him interfered with his trial strategy. He wanted to defend himself. He had defenders like um, attorneys only to help him clarify the law. You can't really share a co-counsel. And that's what justice Melody Stewart wrote in her opinion that, that, they they this hybrid representation is not allowed um to be the co-counsel you have to defendants have to represent themselves
0: this all comes down to though he he did it they had right. overwhelming evidence that he did it it was about as cruel a crime as it could be i think they were killed execution style yeah, it three created terror throughout that neighborhood i remember mike Polensik was just aghast um, that, that it was going to drive people away. And, and it was just for, you know, a quick hit of. of right. It was this
3: were... brutal robbery, you know, they planned to steal two cars, which he did. But I don't know that the shooting was planned as part of it. These are parents, this couple, they had Easter baskets in the back of their car. It was Good Friday and they were shot from less than three feet away. It's just I, I think one of the sons actually discovered them when they didn't come home. It's just terrible.
0: Yeah. And he's got the death penalty, although in Ohio right now, the governor is not signing death warrants. So he will probably stay alive if Mike DeWine runs re-election for another four and a half years. It's today in Ohio. Let's talk some more crime. It was big news four years ago when Discovery Tours, which had provided school trips for Northeast Ohio schools forever, are closed and left thousands of students in the lurch in some planned trips that they had paid for. The owner was all kinds of squirrely and explaining it back then. Now we know the real story. Lisa, he's a bomb. Yeah,
2: and he kind of had a little mini Ponzi scheme going on there. Joseph Cipolletti is to plead guilty for embezzling more than $600,000 from Discovery Tours, a business that his father founded over 30 years ago. This plea comes ahead of a federal trial that was to begin Monday on charges of wire fraud and money laundering. Um, The change of plea hearing will happen May 26th than U.S. District Judge Pamela Barker's court. So what happened was this Discovery Tours just closed suddenly in 2018. They had about 5,000, you know, customers left holding the bag for trips they already paid for that were canceled. They didn't get their money back. Cipolletti was charged in 2020 in an 18-count indictment. Um, They say that he took the money between 2014 and 2018, and what he was doing is he would buy money orders payable to himself with the company money, and then he would cover it up. He said, oh, our computers were hacked. That was the problem. But what he did was he used that money, allegedly, to renovate his home in Hudson and buying new vehicles. Uh Yeah, so this looks pretty bad.
0: Yeah, it, it, I mean, you're sticking at the school kids and their parents, and it was really... Quite, and back at the time, I, you, you might not remember, but he was just... He was full of it. He was making all sorts of explanations, and oh, you know, we're tough times. And he was a thief. He's—he he was basically stealing from students so you know i wonder how much time he'll get i hope he spends some time in prison well
2: yeah and it's it's in federal court you know so they have sentencing guidelines that they have to follow so he'll probably see some time if he gets convicted but yeah here's a business that was started it was a family business it had run you know well for 30 years and then it just got destroyed by a, a little bit of greed
0: well, usually in federal court, the sentence is somehow commensurate with the amount of money you stole, and he stole a lot, so the hammer could fall. It's today in Ohio. The whole world knows the news about the Northeast Ohio jockey who overcame 80 to 1 odds to win the Kentucky Derby last week. It's a story guaranteed to be to be a movie or a TV series or both over and over for the rest of our lives. <laughs> the kind of thing just doesn't happen. So Layla, what do we know about Jockey Sonny Leone?
1: Well we know that he is highly regarded by his colleagues and his peers at Ohio Tracks where where he's well known, which makes this so much even more endearing, right? It's like when there's a good guy who wins, it's just great. Leon has been the the leading rider at the Mahoning Valley race course in Austintown for the last four seasons. And Matt Hook, the track announcer there and at the Jack Thistle down Racino in North Randall says whenever he's calling races and Leon has a winning day at the track, he often refers to it as a sunny day, which is so cute. So Leon Leon told uh, reporter Ashley Bastock that he was proud to have brought a sunny, day to the derby. Mm. So cool. So Leon has nearly 300 wins at Mahoning Valley, his most recent coming April 13th. He has also raced nearly 90 times on the track at Jack Thistledown. According to his racing profile, he's tallied five wins on that track. Leon is also regular at Belterra Park in Cincinnati with over 200 wins there. Locals in the racing community describe him as a quiet, good guy, friendly, a family man. His his personality and the way he rides has really made him like. Likable and easy to root for. He's not a backbiting troublemaker who who tries to intimidate other riders before races, which apparently some jockeys are, or a lot, a lot of them are, I guess. But he is aggressive. And sometimes that's gotten him into some trouble. He's had five suspensions since last fall, and and currently he's serving out a four-day suspension handed down by Ohio Racing Stewards for careless riding during the third race on April 27th at Thistledown. They determined he deliberately and aggressively steered one glamorous gal toward the rail to block other horses in the stretch. That suspension ends Thursday. But Ashley did just a really lovely job in her story capturing the sense of of local pride they feel for Leon at the Ohio tracks and, and that afterglow. They're all basking in from this underdog victory it's it's a story worth checking out
0: well it's it's not just an underdog victory it's like a sea biscuit kind of story this <laughs> horse was a, it was they got this horse in a $30,000 claims race they don't run in Kentucky derbies right. and i don't know if anybody saw it but there's an overhead video that you can watch how he expertly moves that horse up I mean, it was fourth from last as it was making one of the last turns and and he said i could i could feel she had gas in the tank and it just goes i mean it's the the speed with which it overtakes the two presumed favorites and wins it's a it's just amazing and guaranteed this will be a movie that you know you have a A a trainer that everybody loves and an owner that's like a regular guy and all of these billionaires that get into the horse racing game got bested by by this crew so it's a good story it's It's really it's a shame
2: though that they pulled the horse from the from the second race you know of the triple crown so he won't get to go for the triple crown not because he didn't win it's because his horse didn't run
0: and I'm surprised at that because immediately after in the stories, they said that they, they've been putting the horse in longer and longer races and it's proving that it has the steel to do it. But, you know, they know their horse. Maybe they figure that this would be dangerous for the horse and they're trying to preserve it. A lot of value in that horse now for breeding, so they'll, uh, they'll, they don't want to lose that money. Good stuff. Check out the story. It's on Cleveland.com. It's today in Ohio. All right, Laura, what is Rocking the RV Life podcast, and how is it now connected to Cleveland.com?
3: So this is the newest project from Jeff, Jeff Kinsbach, who's a legend of Cleveland rock and radio. He retired in 2020 after an epic 50-year on-air run, which is pretty incredible, first on WMMS in Cleveland and WONE in Akron. Now he's traveling the country in his RV with his wife, Patty, and they launched this podcast last year called rocking the rv life it's to share their stories from the road they've got 27 episodes under their belt they're very popular in northeast ohio but have gotten some national following as well and now they're going to get a broader audience because we're going to put it on our podcasting page starting on monday
0: yeah they we reached out we've really become known in northeast ohio for for quality podcasts buckeye talk and orange and brown talk Today in Ohio, presumably, uh, people are looking to us for for high quality audio as they they break free of their their traditional sources like radio and TV. This is a quality podcast, The Rock and the RV Life. He's got the big radio voice. He's doing some very cool things. Lots of people are embracing RVs, which are the bane of my existence on the highway. <laughs> it's a good thing I don't have a rocket launcher on my car, uh, and and they're taking people around. So we thought. You know, we want to be known for quality podcasts, not just the ones we make, but if others are making them. So we've brought them in. We're going to be doing stories on each episode like we do with all our podcasts, try and get them a bigger audience uh, and share the rewards. It is a very good podcast. And for anybody that is thinking about taking that route, driving RVs on vacation, all of the retirees. It's worth listening to because they have all sorts of good information about how to do it. But man, oh man, does he have the radio DJ voice or what?
3: Well, and that's what Mike Norman said. He said, even when you guys were talking to him, that's how he talks all the time. This is not an, you know, affection, affectation for his podcast or the radio. But what Mike said he really liked about it is that it's not just the scenic vistas and the sunsets. Like they talk about busted tires and, and cold campground showers and what it's really like to be on the road. And they're going up to Michigan this summer, which is a popular summer destination, I think, for a lot of Ohioans around the Great Lakes. So if you're planning a trip up there, it's worth listening to to see what some of their favorite places are.
0: The one thing I want to know is why do you need a license, a special license to drive a motorcycle, but not a special <laughs> license to drive something that's bigger than a semi-truck? The worst drivers on the road all the time I'll say my piece. It's today at all. Maybe i have you
3: as a guest on this no, podcast, no, Chris. <laughs>
0: no, I, would, I don't think any advertisers <laughs> would want me sharing my views. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Layla. Thanks to everybody who listens. We'll be back on Monday. We'll be talking about how much money total taxpayers have pumped into the failure that is the former medical mart. You don't want to miss talk about that. Story's coming this weekend on Cleveland.com and in the Plain Dealer.